Hey Coconuts, welcome back to our weekly market updates. This week, we talk a bit about macro as the FOMC had a meeting last week. We dive a little into China with a bit of an update. And of course, talk a bit about the crypto sell-off that has been happening. Next, we talk about Apple and its Stella Q4. And lastly, FB selling Diem. TFC's weekly market update scours the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session with facts, figures, and fun to help you get caught up in the world of investing. So join in the banter live with me, Rakesh, your host, weekly Tuesdays at 8pm on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Hey, Coconuts. Welcome back to weekly market updates with me, Rakesh. Anthony. I'm Jefferson, and happy Chinese New Year to all you listeners. Yeah, happy happy New Year, guys. guys. (laughs) All right, and and thanks for tuning in, listeners, right? We have roughly three topics for you this week. One is a big macro topic, right? We start off with the FOMC with their meeting. We then move into China, find out a bit more what's happening there. And of course, we have to talk a bit about crypto and its effective sell-off this past (laughs) week, actually, past couple of weeks and how. Uh, then we go back to basics with a couple of stocks, right? One is Apple. They had the earnings call last week. Uh, heard some good news there. And lastly, Facebook selling DM, right? Uh, a crypto, well, crypto play, if you will. All right, Jeff, why don't you start us off with FOMC? What's, what's happening there? Yeah, for sure. So 2022 so far is not like 2021. So you see a bunch of uh, different economic regime that come, uh, that took place in 2022 and we have been, what, one month in, in into 2022? Yeah. Uh, Feels like a lifetime, but yes. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> <laughs> quite a lot of redness in the portfolio, uh, everyone. Yeah, so um, on 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 Tuesday, we, we see traders basically positioning themselves for a, a kinder FOMC meeting. So expect Powell to, you know, be a little bit less aggressive on this whole quantitative tightening process. Uh, mm. But... Unfortunately, no more nice, Mr. Nice Guy, uh, Powell. You start seeing uh, him uh, putting on the prospects that, hey, there's going to be more rate hikes to come um, in mm-hmm. response of the rising inflation pressure as well. So that's pretty much what happened uh, last week on the FMNC meeting. Okay. So, uh, I mean, we, we keep talking about macro and I guess... We, we only talk if something changes, right? Because if, if it was oh, the same as last week or same as two weeks back, then there's no update. So so I, I think that the change here is he sounded a bit more hawkish, I guess, and hawkish meaning that he wants to raise interest rates faster or he wants to tighten faster um, rather than dervish, mm. which means that he wants to loosen and you know ease up and, and boost economic growth. That, that seems to be the gist of it, right? Yep, yep. Um, so I guess one of the things that really changed is uh, for the US financial conditions has basically begun to tighten. So that's a good thing for the US. So you see the US GDP grew 6.9% uh, pace to close out 2021, the strongest years in decades. Um, and also you start seeing that uh, the price action in January is largely a belated recognition of that hawkish shock. And it's a long okay. time coming really. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, um, last time we also talked a bit about, well, the, the Fed having some tensions, you know, they, they need to boost economic mm. growth, they need to have full employment, they need to control inflation, and I guess the, the GDP figures also help with that, right? Because, you know, GDP growth is great, um, employment, well, there's a great resignation, but otherwise it's decent, so they can really focus on inflation and, and trying and to bring that down now without worrying too much about, you know, the other aspects, whereas I guess two or three weeks back, there was still some worry about the other aspects so you know, they, they might have been a bit more circumspect yeah so uh i guess on the back of what you have mentioned is that uh the data the fed is really data driven right so mm-hmm. one of the things that they have seen is that the economic uh, the economy basically proved to be uh, resilient enough to that tightening to come and basically this will actually keep the covid recovery uh going as well so that's something that the fed is less worried about given the recent figures from the economic mm-hmm. indicators and which is why Powell is also saying that, hey, uh, on the back of it, we, are, we, we see that there's potentially more rate hikes coming, uh, more than four. Right. So if you think about it, usually every quarter, if, if you do a rate hike every quarter, which is what's the usual practice for the Fed yep. or any central banks per se, we, we haven't really seen one in the recent years where the Fed... Uh, does more than five in that sense where it's going to be a consecutive one uh, maybe mm-hmm. within the qu- quarter you see two rate hikes yeah so that's going to yeah. be interesting to see how it uh, impacts some of these risky assets as well got it got it and I remember uh, Anthony right uh, I don't know if this made it to the episodes but we did some like scenario stuff as yeah. we were preparing for one of these episodes and this was one of it wasn't it take us through it yeah yeah I think you know we, we this was late last year, I would say. We were thinking, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, can, is there, could it be two consecutive rate hikes, you know, more than four a year or, or even just 50 basis points, right? One time shock at all. And, and we yeah. kind of like shock the markets into submission and shock inflation into submission. And, and at that time we were like, oh, nah, this is impossible. Like, come on, guys. So the, the Fed needs to be predictable. The Fed needs to do things properly and, you know, be slow and consistent and, and be able to evaluate. And I guess, well, things have changed. <laughs> Over a month, right? Because right now the, the extreme hawks are going to say, oh yeah, we, have, we might have seven hikes, which is mm. essentially one every meeting, um, a quarter point move every meeting. And well, I think I think that question was put to Paul um, in his interview and he tied the question away. So, so he didn't right. say no, right? I, right. I think the, 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 the scary part of it is he didn't say no. He just said, ah, that's impossible. You guys go, go away. He said, <laughs> we'll look at the data, we'll analyze, we'll make a decision. Just like COVID and our MMTF response. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fair I mean, you've got to cut Powell some slack as well, right? So <laughs> right after the sharp sell-off in equities, then we, we start saying that, you know, perhaps you can find our footing in particularly in more of the cyclical areas in the markets mm. Uh, mm. as well. Uh, as the pace of this hawkish innovation slows and also the Omicron's impact on activity fades as well. So... I, I basically expect that the, the Fed will revisit this dynamic of this whole rate hikes uh, through the course of 2022 and see, you know, what's the best outcome. So tentatively, uh, markets pricing about six to seven rate hikes. Uh, the Fed is looking at like five rate hikes. And I think it's a whole new economic uh, regime that we are all looking at. Mm-hmm. They are not sure what's the best macro playbook to, to, to utilize right now as well. So yep. got to cut the man some slack. And yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, and, and I guess still still a small question mark whether you know this inflation is even you know demand driven, right? Because if it's supply driven mm, or if it's exactly. partially supply driven, then there's not that much that the Fed can do. Yeah, yeah and, and with midterms coming course. up, not much you know that fiscal policy can do as well, even midterms and how precarious the Democrats hold on on power is. Yeah, maybe we can, uh, despite on all this ongoing Fed risk, but we also can consider some things that uh, we, we can basically risk a little in the EM complex. So you, if you look at, say, mm-hmm. uh, China easing, um, that provides some cushion that is hard to, for, that hard to find in the developed markets as well. That's something that we can look mm-hmm. at. Um, yeah, personally, I feel that there's, uh, I, I'm bullish China. Because I think that there's better vibe uh, apart from Omicron that basically have impacted them in the past, say, one or two months, um, given, given that the whole COVID responses that they have been uh, doing pretty much very extreme as well. Uh, but there's more upbeat messaging in the Chinese uh, asset markets with mm. Chinese equities and bonds having to outperform their global, global counterparts uh, year to date as well. So that's something okay. interesting to look out for. Wow, cool. can, can you tell us more about China? Um, I think last time yeah. we spoke a bit about lowering interest rates. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think on the back of this whole lowering interest rates, we also need to look on the political front, right? So uh, mm-hmm. if you look at it from a political play, you see that policymakers are basically becoming more supportive of economic activities in statements and, activi- and actions across regulatory and macro uh, spectrums as well. So any of the negativity around some of these Chinese assets uh, in the credit space or equity space, whatever, right? Um, this associated valuation buffers basically means that even some basic form of pol- policy clarity and a reconfirmation that policymakers are not insensitive to lower growth can eventually translate to better asset performance. That's how I see it. And also, okay. if you look at it, the impact of Omicron should basically be very limited uh, with the Chinese extreme COVID measures, right? And particularly yeah. since Winter Olympics is a thing that's upcoming, they are a little yeah. bit more cautious as well. So I, I would see that it's just a, another fact that will eventually pass. Yeah. Got it. So if I can sort of just sum up, right? So the Fed, a little uncertain. We're waiting to see what's going to happen on the first rate hike, which kind of explains that mountain, Anthony, that we talked about on Thursday night <laughs> and, then, and then Thursday and Friday morning, right? whatever you want to call it. Um, but obviously, we, we have to wait to see. So our, for our listeners out there, if you do have the, the stocks out there, what I might suggest is hold it. Let's wait for the first rate hike. And, and as per previous episodes, we do expect that to increase. Now, then the other part here is China, right? Now, China is almost the opposite of, of, of the US, where they, they wanted more inflation, they wanted more people to drive, they wanted more spending, which is why they cut rates. And this was in our, I think, two weeks ago episode. So if you haven't listened, uh, Coconuts, please go ahead and listen to that. And now, uh, Jeff, the added point here that you're mentioning as well is that the, the political aspect of things has been laxed a little bit. So they do see that growth in, in the form of, of innovation and and the companies can sort of do what they want to really get that going. Yeah. So for sure, I think in the in the space of China, there's there's quite a bit of things that 
has been boosting the economy, right? So the last time we, mm. we discussed was trying to keep the financial market liquidity flush uh, such mm-hmm. that it will be smooth uh, sailing for through Chinese New Year as well and through all these, you know, Chinese credit, uh, potential Chinese credit defaults and what's not. But right now, they are also looking at trying to, you know, see what they can do to raise uh, economic activities through the, in the form of innovation, tech innovation mm-hmm. and what's not as well. Oh, so, so I guess it's a bit of the opposite of the US again, right? Where mm. the US has decently good economic growth, um, decently good employment, but bad inflation. So, so their policy is geared towards fighting inflation. Whereas in China, I guess that the inflation isn't that bad because everybody's in locked up, cannot spend. Um, and yes. but on the other hand, you know, economic growth is slowing, and uh, that things aren't looking that great. So, so their monetary policy, on the flip side, is looking at boosting economic growth. And and that's where yeah. I guess the, the divergence is. That's right. Absolutely. And I think one last question I have, right? We see a lot of news here with China, zero COVID and, and this and that. And um, how do you think that will impact, right? Because, for example, if they go into another lockdown because they've got like a couple of cases of COVID, do you see mm-hmm. that really playing out in 2022? Or do you think China, you know, because of, of the GDP and because they want that to grow and consumption to increase and consumer spending to increase, they're going to abandon that zero COVID sort of thing. Nah, man, they, they are not moving from zero COVID. Yeah? yeah no so way. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm with Anthony on that. I don't, I don't expect any major shift in China's zero COVID policy in the near term. So you, you look at, uh, case in point, right, you look at Winter Olympics. They they mm. still went ahead with it, uh, mm-hmm. but still kept the the, the they, they basically built a bubble around Winter Olympics, right? Yep. But still mm-hmm. kept this whole China zero COVID policy that they have, and it's interesting to which to to the rest of the world, right? Because they want to have uh people coming into their country to partake in such events, international events, but at the same time trying to keep a a zero COVID policy. Okay. I think ultimately. Yeah. They want to tell the world that, hey, if we can control COVID within our own country um, and potentially this will, you know, boost, boost their own domestic economy as well in some sense where all the, all the spending consumption will be consolidated in their own, uh, their own mm. realm, in their own country itself. Yeah, yeah I think I agree. And, and I think you know, China just moves in, in a completely different scale, right? So, you know, mm. we, we talk about travel bubbles and, and we can't even keep like Changi Airport safe. They, they can create a <laughs> bubble across an entire city. I remember I was talking to one of um, my, my colleagues early, late last year, right? I'm um, still doing COVID and they're like, oh yeah, we, we found um, we found a COVID case in our housing estate, the entire estate, which was like 40, 50,000 people mm. was locked down and it oh, tested wow. everyone in a day. And, and everybody got cleared in like a day or two and within 48 hours, people were back to normal. And I mean, that, that's shorter than our quarantine period if we do a positive ART <laughs> test and we stay at home. So it, it's insane. They, um, they, they have the skill and, and all that that which they can move and, and you know, control, right? That it's just completely different. So, so maybe zero COVID can work or, or they can try for it. And, and they have a big, big local economy, right? So, yep, so yep, they, even true. if they don't open, don't really open borders, they can kind of still survive um, mm. internally. Awesome, folks. And and lastly, uh, Jeff, I think take us through the crypto markets, right? We've seen uh, <laughs> quite a bit of a fall. Uh, this one is not a mountain, it's a cliff. <laughs> uh, it's from November. Just zoom out, bro. Just zoom out. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, take us through. <laughs> All right, sure. So uh, crypto at ground zero of macro rotations. 
interesting, interesting season for all of us this crypto winter, right? So since mm. early November, we see the total cryptocurrency market capitalization has fallen from uh, by roughly forty percent from a peak of three trillion to one point seven trillion. Of course, we all know for those that invested in um, the crypto markets, large drawdowns have been a commonplace in this volatile asset class, right? Mm. Yeah, no yeah. surprise of that. But I think one thing to think about is how this latest episode of the, the cliffhanger uh, was unique and it appeared largely driven by macro catalysts. So right. no longer the same as uh, what we talked about where we have the developments within the crypto space, you know, like all your layer one, layer two, layer zero, going on a war or what's not. No, no longer anything of that. So oh, no more curve wars. Yeah, no more curve wars exactly. <laughs> yeah. No more convex uh, concave or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's it's interesting because if you think about it, prior to the pandemic, you see Bitcoin and other digital assets to show low correlation to traditional financial uh, market instruments, and in itself, crypto has basically behaved as an as a very different ecosystem in that sense. But over the last two years, as Bitcoin has seen wider mainstream adoption, its correlation with macro assets has picked up. So it's an unfortunate thing as well, or fortunate, whatever you think about. Yeah. Logical, logical. Yeah, it's logical, of course. It is logical. (laughs) In particular, you see Bitcoin appears positively correlated with proxies for inflation Mm. risk. So you see like your break-even inflation, your crude oils, your... What your big tech and what's not, they are Bitcoin is very correlated with them right now, positively mm-hmm. correlated. Uh, and it's natural, it's natural that you see, you know, how the central bank monetary tightening across the world um, has put them in this uh, precarious position, right? Mm-hmm. So no longer immune yeah. to yeah. macroeconomic forces as well. Yeah, that's the big reason why you start seeing uh, great, great <laughs> deep, right? of, uh, big deep, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you you can't just buy the dip anymore, man. That 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 used to work so well. It's like dip ten percent, buy. You know, it goes up fifteen percent next day, sell. So you just keep repeating. That just doesn't yeah. exist. It's no longer the case anymore. Yeah, the the dip keeps dipping. So sad. Yeah, and I think one one question for me, and I'm sure the listeners out there is, and and this is a tough one, right? When is it going to bottom out? When do we think? What what is our play here? Right for those that are looking to invest in in crypto or have already crypto, what's our play? Right, what should we do? Should we also kalang kabot and then just sell? Kanchong. Yeah, I think. Okay, I don't know. Right, I think that this is this is difficult. Um, I think the the very valid point is that now crypto is is so positively correlated with your big tech equity, right? Um, mm. and, and and so because of that, you know, when, when you look at it in, in terms of uh, from the entire portfolio, right, that you have to take that into account, right? It's it's not a hedge. I mean, it, I, I would say it never really was a hedge, but fine, right? It, now, at least it's not a hedge. Um, yep. So yep. Then, then you think about it, it's positively correlated. What does it do? It has greater volatility, Right, so so it's really just shifting out your risk curve a bit. For you are going further out and out on the risk curve. You are taking on more risk for for more volatility in in that sense. Even though it's an imperfect measure, and you say, yeah, fine, right? If if the sentiments turn around, I I I will, I will win bigger in you know crypto than I will in Nasdaq hundred, 
right? That, that, that's essentially mm. it. If it doesn't turn around, I will lose bigger in crypto than, than I will lose in that 500. So, so yep. you know, again, you know, personally, based on your portfolio construction, you can then look at, oh, well, you know, then, then I, do I want that risk and, and therefore I allocate more to crypto? Or is this all my hard-earned money, you know, so hard-earned and, and you know, I paid for it in sweat, blood and tears and I'm not losing any of it, so I'm not touching crypto, <laughs> right? I, I think it's kind of that, that sense of things. Um, I mean, we can talk about whether it's a Ponzi, a fraud, scam, whatever, but I, I think as of now, it, it's quite definitely a legitimate asset class already. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so for myself, I think that these dips uh, are good for the for the space in the long run, because it's simply not feasible or healthy for this space to basically be set up as uh, say uh, easy hundred time X, right? No, nah, it's, it's up so only, bro. E- <laughs> exactly. So if it's so easy, if it's so easy for everyone to make money, then no one will make money. Yeah. Hey, so, but, look at this yeah. guy pulling out the economics. What is yeah, it? Zero so, sum game, right? Yeah, zero sum game, exactly. Yeah. So sadly, as much as it sucks, uh, some people must be flushed out to for others to earn in that sense. Uh, I think for me, I don't really have like a, a playbook on crypto for now. But I, I think that things like GameFi uh, is a little bit iffy right now, a little bit scary. Um, and you, when you start looking at DeFi as well, you start seeing like Wonderland uh, turning into like a, I don't know, a Ponzi scheme or, or what's not what we call it. I, 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 think, I, think, I think they'll return money. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so it, it only happened on the back of, you know, the, the big dip in the crypto space. If not, none yeah. of this will happen. The, like what you say, Anthony, right? The only way is up in that sense. But... Uh, you need you need to have some form of creative destruction, some form of uh, macro intervention to come in to you know make the whole crypto asset a little bit more robust. And I think we should all take a step back and appreciate how far we have come in the past two years, uh, trying to you know come up with decentralized finance as well. So that, that's something well, sentimental. For all of us sentimental. To be no, no, I, I think he's talking himself into his job. Oh, right, right. I did not pay a bank. No, no, that's not true. I, I don't really look at. I don't really look at like individual coins, so I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) Sentimental, man. Okay, it's okay. We believe in you. (laughs) (laughs) So much conviction. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, folks. Uh, I think that's really a quick quick overview on on the macro. Um, Anything else before we move on to, say, Apple? Yes, one last question, actually. Um, I mean, we we talked about timing in, in terms of crypto. I was just wondering, is there any sense of, well, in, in the equity space, maybe when the, well, not the bloodbath, but when, when we can see a bit more certainty, I guess. And, and if there isn't, then, then what would we do about it? Right, right. I guess that question is deflected to me then. If Powell was right. on the line, then we should ask. <laughs> yes, we should. Uh, we should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I think that there's boomy returns uh, being delivered by many of the financial assets since uh, spring of 2020, uh, reflecting both a gradually improving growth outlook thanks to a virus control and medical breakthrough, right? So we mm. see like your AdBot, mm. see all your pharmaceutical companies doing very well back then and very low interest rates, of course, we, we already discussed that a lot. And thanks to Powell. Um, but I think as much as I'm super optimistic about this whole medical recovery reopening prospects in all the different countries, um, but central banks have realized that, hey, it's, there's too much 
liquidity being sloshed in this system yep. and it's time to take the punch bowl away. Um, I think it's it's scary for for big tech right now. Uh, crypto, big tech, they are more sensitive towards uh, the central bank normalization mm-hmm. as well as all your different US uh, equity or blue chips, right? But there's one um, silver lining at which I, I think is worth looking into, which is commodities, because okay. uh, they are likely to be a winner from improving demand, but also constrained supplies that we have already discussed in the previous yep. few episodes as well. So one of the yep. the the thing that I'm I'm looking at right now is uh your S and P GSCI total return index. Um, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of ETF that that that's in this uh index itself. So can look into it. Perhaps there's some alpha in that space as well. Wow, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's it, I'm mainly in the equity space, right? I am looking at the yeah. crypto space, like I said. Luckily, I didn't buy then. <laughs> Otherwise, I think <laughs> I'll be, I'll be down. Like, in and out, done, you know, no more I know. crypto. <laughs> you cannot play Mahjong anymore. <laughs> yeah, dude, gone, gone. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually looking, I'm looking at the crypto space. I think there is some value there. Um, it's perceived value for me, right? Of course, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the way that I look at, at crypto. But I do see some uh, perceived value and growth in that region when I really don't know. For the equity, I do expect things to hopefully bounce up by, by Q3, Q4, right? That's, that's my guess, guesstimate, massive mm-hmm. guesstimate, uh, because we have to see how the first couple of rate hikes do. And yeah. then what will that do to the to the US economy, right? Because don't forget Powell as as Jefferson is is clearly you know buying down to him and cutting him some slack here. Uh, <laughs> is the <laughs> fact that they don't just manage inflation. They manage a whole <laughs> ton of other things. And you move one thing, as we all know, economics, everything else yeah. changes. So will there be a shift at Q2 uh, or Q3? I really don't okay. know. I hope there is. That maybe they will go, you know what? I mean, let's focus on GDP now. Uh, as opposed yeah. to inflation, and then that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for, uh, and I'll continue to DCA. Um, not probably not at the scale of, of Anthony, you, <laughs> but I'll try my but best. I, but percentage wise, okay lah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of cash, so I don't know what to do with the cash. <laughs> hey, uh, charity, can you know, can give me. Yeah, can you give us? I need to I need yeah. to distribute ang pao. Okay, you you all come visit then? me, and you all can give my kid ang pao. Nice, no, nice. no, no, no. You give me a Got a bump on for you. Yeah. I'm still single, very much single. Oh, we see my girlfriend thinks about that. <laughs> cool, folks. And, and for our listeners out there, just as a last bit, you know, if you, if you like this segment, please let us know. Send us a message on, on Telegram or email us. If you want us to do a bit more deep dive into a coin or a China stock or a US stock, please let us know. There's Salt Geek Out. That's what it's here for, for you folks. So uh, please let us know either on the Telegram at the Financial Coconut or send us an email at tfcstockgeekout at gmail.com. And next, all right, we have Apple. Apple did yes. a pretty good Q4. Actually, right. It's pretty uh, no, <laughs> just pretty no, good. No just pretty good. <laughs> Coming from the guy that wants to get a 14-inch MacBook. Uh. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> we got to love that butterfly keyboard, man. That is so good. <laughs> you know, and, and of course, when we when we do our live shows, I do one at 1080p. 
uh, webcam as well, uh, and I don't really want to attach mm-hmm. mine. So uh, for yeah. all you listeners, <laughs> uh, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, you, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, listeners, if you want to donate to to a fourteen inch MacBook Pro to see me in a ten eighty p resolution, please go for it. <laughs> I can send you my pay now, no problem. <laughs> All right, yeah, but Apple, in all fairness, folks, had its largest quarter ever, right? Uh, his revenue is somewhere around $123 billion. That's actually an 11% increase from last year, Q4. Oh, okay. That's intense. Wow. That's actually quite quite big. It's I think it's largest sales quarter ever, right? Like I said. Yeah, I mean, like, 11% revenue growth is, like, meh. But you look at the actual number, you go, yeah, shit, they grew, like, 10 billion. <laughs> they grew <laughs> exactly. 10 billion in a year, right? Massive, massive, massive. So I think that's, that's firstly very, very important, right? And I think the other mm-hmm. one to note is it's iPhone sales. In Q4, it saw a 9%, 9% increase in iPhone sales. Again, the percentage doesn't mm-hmm. say much, but it's 71 billion in iPhone sales in Q4. Okay. That's intense. Now, if you take that away, what is that? 71 million iPhones? Because on average, an iPhone costs $1,000. Is it? No idea, man. Maybe a almost, bit more, but almost, it's insane yeah. the amount of insane the amount of iPhones that went across, right? And not to mention they were right as we talked about in in, in stock kickout and market updates was the supply chain issues with <laughs> the semiconductors with the chipsets, and they were still able to pull out this amount, right? So yeah. I think actually, yeah, I remember talking a, a while back that oh yeah, no, they're, they're going to have supply chain issues. They don't think it will be fantastic and I guess they were wrong and they being Apple themselves <laughs> yeah yeah exactly they said they don't they don't think they're going to see it we're like yeah sure whatever <laughs> the whole yeah. world is facing it how come Apple doesn't but the numbers say for itself right that's intense and Tim Cook actually said as well that he expects that he had supply chain issues in Q4 mm-hmm. but he expects supply chain constraints to improve in Q1 so I'm like, what okay. are these numbers that are going to pop up in Q1? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, Apple is just something that I, I don't quite understand. And, and I don't own any Apple products, so maybe that's why I don't understand it. But right. you know, if you want to give me an Apple product so I can understand it, I don't mind as well. <laughs> Start with the phone, my man. Start with the phone. <laughs> Apple be really carrying the whole of the S&P here. Yeah, it was actually, that is so true. I think I heard that quote from somewhere else as well. It's intense. It's a hard this one. And it's not, just, it's not just iPhones. It's Mac, right? And, you know, as, as, as clearly you guys have been making fun of me on buying the 14-inch Pro uh, MacBook, <laughs> Mac actually had a 25% increase in sales for Q4. Right and, Whoa, and that's, that's nice. that is quite big. That, it's highest ever increase yeah. quarter on quarter. Okay. It's insane. And and I, I mean, in all fairness, I do think it's down to the 14 and 16 inch. I don't know that for sure, but I, I think because of my bias. Lah. So, <laughs> trying to hierarchize. And, and think about it, you haven't even bought it yet. I haven't, yeah, I know. Yeah. I got to save, he, I got to save. Wait till he gets it in uh, quarter one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, definitely. So I, I think that's that's definitely one of the things to, to take note of, folks. Apple is doing well, even though we expected it to, to really sort of, you know, have a decent quarter, but mm-hmm. not, not, not this well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think one of the questions that I have for you, right, Apple's got a stellar quarter. Of course, Q4 is usually a very good year for Apple, right? Yep. Um, Christmas. <laughs> Christmas, New Year, Chinese New Year. I'm sure people have bought it earlier. And not to mention, Apple actually released... Um, one of the things they did to improve supply train was that mm-hmm. they gave, instead of a 14-day refund, I believe they gave a 90-day refund. 
Okay. Right. Um, I do believe it's 90 days, three months. So if you buy it in, in October, right after the announcement of the iPhone, you could return it after Christmas. Oh. So you buy it now, and then give it in Christmas. But if the guy doesn't want it, he can give it back to Apple. Okay. That was. I thought that was that was genius, because the, what that did is that that staggered, right? Because probably what happened was that usually people buy 14 days before Christmas or 10 days before yeah. Christmas, and then give it. So if you don't want, you can always just go and return it. Right, right. But they've they've uh, actually so allowed like kind of put forward demand. Right? Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. But in that case, helping the supply chain. So I think you know I don't know who came up with that, but we have to credit Tim Cook for this, right? We a lot of slack, a lot of stick has been going to Tim Cook for not innovating and this and that. But he was the previous COO, and clearly the the yeah. operations and supply chain have been have been nah, amazing. He, he, he's a brilliant operations guy. Yeah, I think we'll talk about that. Yeah, where's my iPhone, guys? Ninety-day reports, I can't use it. Oh my god! Yeah, but you know, I, and and moving into Q one, that's I think that's where the listeners want to know, right? Of course, with with this news, stock price went up, uh, I believe five percent, seven percent. Of course, as Jeff mentioned, uh, it's literally <laughs> carrying the whole S and P five hundred on on its back, <laughs> and then nah, nah, some. Microsoft was doing well. Microsoft was doing well. <laughs> Microsoft number two, right? Apple number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And but you know, Q one for me is 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 completely different, right? Because the the holiday mm-hmm. season is over. Um, what do you guys think of Apple, right? Do you think we, Actually, as everyone always says, keep buying and hold, but do you guys foresee any issues? Yeah, on the back of what you, we have been talking about, Tim Cook being CEO and what's not, right? What about the mm. operating expenses that that comes in above expectation? Yeah, because, you, I mean, the whole macro thing we have been talking about, inflation taking its toll. Yep. So how, how does it affect Apple? What, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good one, right? I think with regards to that, I do expect it to increase, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I do see a, a higher cost in Q1, right? For sure. With inflation being the way it is, um, I believe, Jeff, you also mentioned wages uh, did go up as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think in our previous episodes. So I do expect that to increase. So profit probably would, would go down. I would expect Apple's profit to go down. Revenue, however, so- it's the other question. Lah. That one, I'm, I, I think it will go down because it's not the giving season anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, but, right? But I guess that, that's kind of seasonality, right? So, so if yes. you strip away seasonality, we compare to Q1 2021, it, it will still be fantastic. It's just not great, I guess, quarter on quarter growth, but year on year absolutely. should be okay. Yes, yes, absolutely. But that said though, right? Apple has actually tried to penetrate China a bit more. So uh, in, in 2020, I believe Huawei was the highest selling smartphone uh, in, mm. in China. And uh, in 2021, actually Apple has overtaken Huawei in China. Um, so I thought wow. that's, a, that's a pretty good angle, a uh, pretty good thing to look at. And I think that's another area of them that they're looking to expand, especially in, in, in Q1 and in 2022. Yeah, they, they, they better not piss off Xi Jinping, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, that, that, that's the fear about China, right? You, are, you yes. are so, if you want it as a growth center, you want it as, you know, do you want to push in China, you know, you, you have to be very careful, right? You, mm. you, you could make one small marketing mistake that the entire country gets up in arms about, you know, I guess offending their, their racial sensibilities. And, and there you go, you are no longer, uh, you, nobody wants to buy a product and you lose an entire mm. market, right? So, so uh, yes, China's great. Um, they, are, they are doing good well there, but I, I think there's also that downside, which is slightly inherent in, in China, where it's it's just it's just so big, you know. But a small misstep could be quite fatal. Absolutely, 
Definitely right, um, but yeah, that's why Q1 for me is is really of a of a question mark. I do know they're focusing a lot on their a lot on their subscriptions uh, and yep. their services revenue. Right, they've got the Fitness Plus going. They've got the Apple TV Plus. They've got the I think they've called something called All in One, where you get everything right, <laughs> and then you sort of push for that. Um, they are looking to focus on that, but. What do you guys think? Do you think that they should just focus on their iPhones and their Macs? Uh, do you think that this shift in focus is, is a decent thing for Apple? I, I thought it was smart. Um, mm. I, I mean, look, hard, hardware at the end of the day, yes, Apple is premium. They have, a good, they have great operating margins. But I, I don't think those margins can ever be, beat whatever they get from the App Store. Right, so so they take a thirty percent cut from the app store on every single purchase. Right, you yep. buy an app for ten bucks, you know, they they take three and well, the other seven goes to the app developer. You you it's it's insane, <laughs> you, and it's for maintaining the app store. You know, you that, there's no innovation there, right? So <laughs> yes. so that that margin, you know, they're they're just a gatekeeper now and collecting a toll, and maybe that changes with the law and all that. But for now, it's it's a fantastic play, right? And and. If they can keep pushing that, um, or if they can make further wall gardens with like the IDFA thing, so that they can sell their own ads instead of like letting Facebook sell their ads, then then mm. I those are the high margin areas that they seem to be growing, right? And and I guess if I were a bull, I'd be like, oh, you know, this is where they can grow and where they can be great. <laughs> Jeff, yeah, what do you think? well, I I think from my from my perspective itself. Um, it's good. It's good that they are venturing into different different part of the businesses, right? So, like how the iPhones have been a lot more expensive over the years, and you, mm. well, I mean, number shows for itself that it's been going up and things like that. But as a average Joe, if you already have a working iPhone and what's not, with the price, you know, hike, hiking so so quickly as well. I mean, I wouldn't change my phone that often for for sure, yep. and that's gonna yep. be an issue for, yep. for for like it's gonna be a price war thing with Samsung and everyone else, right? And you know, having to stick your your fingers into different pies where you look into like fitness fitness plus kind of thing, then at one point you were competing with Spotify with Apple Music mm, and look, Apple look Music. where they are, they are yes. they're still they're still remaining competitive in that sense. And I'm just, I'm just very curious how this whole Fitness Plus will eventually work out and will they be able to phase out you know, the rest yeah. of their competitors? Because it seems like there's still a huge reliance on uh, having to use their own Apple products. Yeah. But what happens if you are not an yes. Apple enthusiast? Yeah, that's another question altogether. No, I completely agree with that, right? And um, I think that's that's the way they keep people in the ecosystem, right? So obviously, as as uh, I, I have to say, right, I'm, I'm following that cult of Apple. I can't say anything otherwise. I'm trying to be unbiased here, but Sheep. yeah, my that's why as they. Well. <laughs> all right, <laughs> and and that's why I would, you know. <laughs> and in all fairness, right, there are so many things that that I was so I'm a Spotify uh, subscriber, not an Apple Plus subscriber, but. On my watch, I'm thinking, because Spotify is so hard to download on my watch, Apple Music is so easy to just download on my watch, that at a point in time, I was actually thinking of swapping. Because they've got the roughly the same music. You can listen to whatever you want on there, and the usability is that's just that simple. Uh, I, I guess that that's their type of lock-in, right? They, yes. And it's kind of the, the same the other way around on, on Google and Android. So you know, once you have one of their products, you just keep making you buy other types of their products and yeah. then they make apps for their products um, and, and you know they, they try to lock you in there I, I mean this this is absolutely terrible from a competition perspective come on yeah. mommy let's do something about it <laughs> yeah. you know it's, it's, 
this is ridiculous, right? Pla- platforms should not extract so much value. I mean, yes, they have value, but they should extract it. So, um, yeah, sorry, a bit ranty there. <laughs> yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, look, like our like our podcasts on Apple Music and Spotify. Thank you very much. I think that's yes, the key yes. takeaway here. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, sorry, but yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Ap- Apple Podcasts and Spotify, both. Absolutely, cool, folks. Uh, all right, uh, I think lastly. We want to talk about Facebook and DM. Anthony, take it away. Yes. So, so I guess for those who have been living under a rock or, or <laughs> never read the news, um, you know, <laughs> Facebook has so this cryptocurrency. Yeah, that's why. That's um, me, Facebook that's has this me. cryptocurrency. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> I know. It's all at you, bro. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, Facebook had this project called Libra. They changed it to DM because, well, that, that's just... Oh, it's Facebook, right? Everything that Facebook does is wrong and has a lot of scrutiny. Mm. And well, I guess this is the, the impact of it. Um, they, two years ago, they, they wanted to launch a cryptocurrency. They wanted to launch a stable coin that was right. a basket of currencies. So, so a bit like the Singapore dollar is a basket of you know, foreign currencies. Similarly, they wanted a, a stable coin that they, you could use in crypto. That, that was a basket of like, there's the Swiss francs and the USD and all that. That got knocked back. People did not like it. And they said, okay, fine, we'll just do USD. And well, I guess the latest news is the Fed still doesn't like it. So they are right. shuttering the whole project. They're selling, I think, what, 200 million of worth of assets, um, which, which they had wow. accumulated for DM to, to Silvergate, who was supposed to issue the, the stable coin. So I, I think that's, that's that. Um, in, in terms of how it affects Facebook, I, come on, it, it doesn't affect Meta or Facebook, right? <laughs> it, I mean, they, they, they are so big. Small they bump to, in the road. It's, it's small potatoes. It's 200 mil. Come on, guys. Not worth getting out of bed for. But yeah, they, that's... I mean, it's definitely a dampener in, in their Web3 plans if they don't have their own coin. But plenty of stable coins out there, they, they can use them. Um, I think what I really wanted to to get your thoughts on was, was to use this to talk about stable coins in, in crypto in general. <laughs> so Jefferson, why don't we start from you? Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't really have a, a particular view about DM for sure. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's fairly new coin and everything, um, but there's a lot of it, essentially there's really a lot of uh, stable coins out there, right? Like USDT, USD, <laughs> uh, UST, uh, Dai, Magic Internet Money, which come under fire yeah. as of late. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think one of the things that I'm more interested to 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 look at is this whole this whole company that is acquiring uh, the technology assets, right? Which okay. is Silvergate. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think it's no surprise that you know Silvergate will look to build on projects uh, such as DM for sure to basically mm-hmm. further its stablecoin uh, initiative. Uh, if a transaction were to materialize, then I, I think that we expect some form of investor focus to be uh, on whether the path forward for DM could be different under third-party ownership structure. So that's something to think about also. Mm. And I think if this whole stable, I mean, this whole silver, what, silver gate capital, silver right? Gate. Yes, yeah, silver, silver gate capital. capital. If they are successful, then the financial ramifications um, could actually be very significant because we, if we think about a stablecoin business could actually drive meaningful amounts of payment revenue. Like mm-hmm. you look at USDT, why, why yeah. they actually still, like the whole market, the whole crypto markets are basically using them despite yes. not knowing what's on the back of it. And they Absolutely. are, 
just earning so much payment revenues from this, this whole thing. <laughs> and Insane. definitely will drive a fundamental leaf in the company's valuation and, and away from the bank valuation construct as well. So they are yep. no longer going to be seen as like a crypto bank kind of thing, but more of like a stable coin business. So that's, that's something interesting that I, I would look and see to whether we can you know, put a play yeah. on. Interestingly, I, and I did not know this before, this, Silvergate is listed. So they listed last year. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So so and, and then, you know, we, we talked about stable coins, I think, way, way, way back in last year. And and we talked about, oh, you know, how how this how stable coins are kind of like a bank, right? Because you issue a stable yes. coin and people give you money, so so it's backed as one to one, theoretically, unless you are tether, in which case nobody knows. And <laughs> and then you take that money and you earn returns on it, whether that's in, in the crypto world and then trade five whatever right and then you and you make the spread so you know and i guess silvergate kind of has that competitive positioning as, as a crypto bank because it, I, I see their name crop up when i transfer money to gemini <laughs> usd so <laughs> so so that's i i think you know maybe something interesting to look at is oh well you know silvergate is not your usual bank right and if you you are bullish on crypto you are bullish in terms of the the expansion of the market cap instead of direct crypto exposure, right? Instead of opening a Gemini account, all that, go buy Silvergate, right? They're, they're still a bank, they're still regulated, mm-hmm. they're safe in that respect. You know? and, and yeah, maybe that, that might be a good proxy, right? If you yeah. get the regulation and, and a bit of exposure that way. Yeah. yeah. I think one, one question I have here, Anthony, is what did that do to the stock after Silvergate was going to buy this from off, off of FB? Do we know? Did the market kind of like it? Um, I don't think too it early to, to be honest. Uh, it didn't. Okay. It didn't. It didn't really move, to be honest. Yeah, it didn't really uh, I move. think no one really know what Silvergate is. Um, right. Um, but I think where we should really look for more color should this whole transaction materialize. I think there's three questions off my head. Right. One is was this whole sale of Diam a competitive process? The second mm-hmm. one is would the regulators permit Diam what issuance to to proceed under the Silvergate? ownership or would the project still be on hold until you know the whole regulators uh, stablecoin guidance come out yep. and then the last one is really what would the silver silvergate distribution strategy be for dm yep mm. and to what extent to. can this uh could what extent could any of the members of dm uh, association be involved as well yeah because okay. they, they come cool. from association right uh, yeah, I, I think we can actually answer all of that. So, so the, the nice. first question is, yeah, <laughs> was was it a fair process? I don't think it was. I, I think it was just a, a transfer process, and, and that's because Silvergate Capital was one of, is one of the investors in in Diem, right? They are one of the association members. The the entire project was meant to be backed by money held in Silvergate Bank. Right, so you know, not, this was really just a well. Then they had prepared essentially two hundred million cash to to back whatever the initial issuance was, and and if the issue and since the issuance is not going to happen, they are just going to pass the money, you know, and essentially distribute it back to shareholders. So so that's just you know a movement in cash that there's no asset in in that sense. Um, I don't think there's any sort of technology transfer in that sense as well. Um, the the second question, will it go ahead? I think the answer quite unequivocal. Vocably is, is no, right? You have 
And, and I mean, you think about it from a regulatory perspective, right? If, if you were to allow somebody to issue a stable coin, you, you want them to be a bank because, well, they are like banks, they're regulated. You want a tech company to be involved because, well, they, they know the tech ideally and, and they can deal with technical issues. And, mm. and you want them to be, you know, big in the US so that they are in your home jurisdiction and, and you can kind of capture them and, and punish them if they act improperly, right? And, and you can audit them and, and do whatever you need to do with them. And I mean, if you zoom out, I think they met all of these. You know, they, they were pretty much one of the ideal people who could have issued a USD stable, stable coin, um, just from a regulatory perspective, and they failed. And we don't know exactly what, why they failed. We don't know exactly why the Fed opposed it. But you know, if they couldn't get it past the line, I think it's hard to see who could get it past the line. You just have to be shady, move to the Bermudas or the Caymans and do your issuance there. Then you're fine. Right. right? This, this, this is stupid. If somebody wants to do it properly, you don't let them do. You, you don't want them to be dodgy, then okay, law. <laughs> so be it. Spoken like a lawyer, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I really thought like, this doesn't make sense. You, you, you would rather people go to a theater and not know where yeah. their money goes than, than have it in a US bank account and, and be backed by Facebook. Like, are you kidding? What, what's wrong, what's yeah. wrong with you? Fair enough. Cool, folks. Um, yeah, I think that, that really sums it up. Any last words, folks, before we end our podcast? Not really. I think, you know, do, do we want to talk about algorithmic stablecoins or I think we're we are fine. We can leave that for another day. Yeah, I can leave that for another day. It's going yeah. to be a huge topic altogether. It, it's, a, it's a topic. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I just like to point topic. out that Magic Internet Money is a damn funny name. I love that name. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a podcast called Magic Internet Money, actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, I, I need to go listen to that. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's go listen. Awesome, folks. All right. I think we do need to um, talk about that algorithmic stablecoins. I think we can do, probably do a deep, deeper dive in, and understand that a bit yep. more, right? I know I would like that as well, uh, as, as I'm sure some of our coconuts and, and listeners out there. So, uh, yes, thanks. Thanks so much, guys, for spending the time and, and listening to us. Please go stuff your face and, and get more Ang Pao and win more Mahjong. Then donate all to my 14-inch 14, 14 MacBook Pro, yeah? So you all can see me in 1080p. <laughs> and time to get a sore throat so I can rest next week. Hey. Nice. <laughs> all right, folks. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks. Bye, bye everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh. And trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.